Welcome to Debut Spotlight. I'm Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars, and my guest today is Julie Carrick Dalton. She's the author of Waiting for the Night Song. I loved this book. I blurbed this book, and we're grubbies. It's a little bit of a secret. Not really. Julie, tell me, what is your book about? Oh, Waiting for the Night Song is a dual timeline narrative about uh, two women, Katie and Daniela, who are friends when they're kids and they, as adults, have to come back together and reconcile this dark secret from their past and things get a little dicey. A little dicey because there's... Oh, uh, there's some secrets buried in the woods that they might not want people to know about. And the story is set against the backdrop of a changing climate. So not only are they dealing with secrets from their past, but Katie, who's a forestry worker, is trying to prove that there's a beetle infestation coming into the area that's gonna threaten with the forest fire. So she's dealing with her past and her present colliding at the same time. The Waiting for the Night song is packed with friendship and love, themes of immigration, and also a hot topic right now, cli-fi, climate fiction. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so I love talking about climate fiction, thanks. So climate fiction is pretty much any novel or short story that engages climate science in a meaningful way. And they can be dystopian, apocalyptic, thrillers. I mean, there's romance stories coming out that are climate fiction, lots of YA. So it's not a category you're gonna find in a bookstore yet, but it's, it kind of spans all the genres. And I, I'm really excited that people, more people are writing climate fiction. But hopefully soon. And so in your book, of course, you feature these beetles that are destroying the forest. Can you talk a little bit about the beetles and how the cli-fi aspect works into your book? Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, the mountain pine bark beetle is a very real beetle. It's the beetle that's devastating forests in um, Colorado and California. And it's uh, been, you know, the trigger for a lot of these huge fires we've been seeing the last several years. So I started writing the book 13 years ago and there weren't as many fires in the news back then. And as I got closer to publishing the book, the fires were getting bigger and I started feeling it was more urgent. So I took this beetle and I transposed it into the New Hampshire forest. So it isn't really there yet, but it is likely that it will be in the future. So in the story, I ramped up the temperatures in New Hampshire and I set the, set the stage so that the beetle would be, it would be, feel invited into New Hampshire. But it very likely will be coming further east. So it's, it's, it has a speculative element, but it's based on real science. And the way you described the soil, the trees, New Hampshire, I felt like I could smell it myself, uh, you know, like I was there with you. So uh, you have a special attachment to New Hampshire. Talk about it. How do you know the New Hampshire soil so well? Yeah, so I own a farm in New Hampshire. It's an, up in a rural area up on the northern tip of Lake Winnipesaukee. And I built the farm from scratch. I built the farm around the same time that I was writing the book. So I was kind of a lot of days I was out in the field working, coming home and writing the book. And so I feel in a lot of ways that the book informed my farming and the farming informed my story. I was watching you know, climate factors in my own farm, but the area where I, my farm is, the growing season has been extended by 22 days in the past century. And if you think about that, it's three weeks longer of a growing season than it was a, a century ago, which is kind of shocking. And so I, as I was thinking about it, it made me wonder what are all the small things that have been affected by that change in temperature? And that's kind of where the, that the climate factor came into my story is thinking of all the small ways climate change are affecting us. That's terrifying, 22 days. Yeah. Wow. 
What I think is important about it is I think we think of climate change as this future event or this looming event. And I wanted to make it very present because I think especially in the United States, we think of it as a future event, but there are places all over the world where climate change, like the apocalypse has already arrived. Um, so another one of your big themes is one of my personal favorites when I read books, of course, friendships, friendships between two women. Uh, they grew, you know, two of your characters started as friends as kids. They grew apart, they come back together. Can you talk about that theme? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that question. So the two girls, Katie and Daniela, their friendship is based on a friendship with my best friend growing up. And um, she and I would, you know, to be clear, we never covered up any crimes that I'm aware of. But we were, you know, no bodies wild. in the friendship somewhere, no bodies in the woods that I that I know of. Um, okay. But but we used to run wild in the woods, you know, play in the creek in the backyard and um, climb trees and build forts and all those things that kids do. And she was a year older than me, way cooler than me. It's the, the friendship is very much modeled on kind of like the gangly, geeky me. And um, and my friend, her name was Stephanie. And uh, we spent a lot of time together and we drifted apart after high school and we didn't keep in touch at all, not for any reason of falling out or anything bad, but I reconnected with her because of the book, which has been a real, one of the bonuses of writing the story and that was really special for me. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Um, so the other thing I have to ask you about, of course, we know each other from Grub Street. We were both in the novel Incubator. Let's talk about Grub. Tell us oh, about my, Grub. What do you love? Uh, I love everything about Grub. So I started the, um, I did their novel Generator before I did the novel Incubator. So I wrote the first draft or I completed the first draft in the Generator with Lisa Borders. And um, that was the first time I'd been part of a reading community or a writing community and having other people read my work, which is terrifying and commenting on it. And then all of a sudden I was addicted to it. So I applied to the incubator and I got in and I just like, I found my people and, um, and Rachel, you were my mentor. So, you know, you were, had a lot to do with my journey through the incubator program. And, uh, you know, the people in that, in my specific year of the novel incubator are like family to me, you know, I, some of them I talked on the phone, like almost, you know, weekly and we still share our work together and I know that you know you've had the same experience and the um the people in that program have, are friends for life now and that program was a year long but they're stuck with me forever now yeah I mean we still hang out shout out to Michelle Hoover right yes, for building Michelle. the most amazing program <laughs> super talented brilliant writer herself um, so it's been a great program and I'm hoping that more people will read your fantastic book and apply to the incubator and become a part of Grub Street because it's just a super, super resource for writers. It so is. tell me, what was the hardest part about getting your book published? Um, I think finishing the first draft and I spent, uh, you know, about like nine years getting the first draft in order. And then, you know, maybe a year, year and a half revising and polishing it and, and, you know, the agent part actually came pretty easy to me, which I know is not a, maybe a popular thing to say, but I didn't have a hard time finding an agent. But that gave me this a little bit of a false sense of security that like, wow, maybe this book's going to go places. And when we went out try selling the book was maybe the most painful part. It took almost a year to find the right editor, and it was so worth the wait because my editor and my team at Forge are exactly the people I, I needed to be with. So, you know, things happen the way they're supposed to happen, but that year was really, really hard on me. And it was so hard on me that I channeled my anxiety into writing another book. And I wrote the entire first draft of The Beekeeper, of The Last Beekeeper, which is my next book, while I was on submission with my first book. But talk about that pain a little bit, because um, I have a lot of listeners who are aspiring writers who are out on submission now. Like, what does it feel like to be out on submission for a year? 
Yeah, so um, my agent, Stacy Test at Writer's House is wonderful, always been supportive, and she never made me feel like, you know, this isn't going to work or, you know, it's time to give up. So we went on, on different rounds of submission and I told Stacy, I was like, I don't want to hear the rejections. And I know that, you know, every writer has her own way of doing things, but I didn't want to read them because I couldn't do anything about it at the time. So I told her, I said, wait till we have, you know, a bulk of rejections and I'll read them all at once and then we'll talk about it. So she did. So she sent me a document with all of the rejections in one place. So we went through them and we withdrew the manuscript um, and we reworked it and it was really hard. I mean, it, it hurt a lot because I thought, you know, I'd done the work, I'd done the incubator, I had queried, I had a fantastic agent and it's supposed to sell now, right? And when things don't go the way you're expecting them to, you start internalizing that, like, is it me? Is it my writing? Is, you know, does the story not resonate with people? And what I have come to figure out is it just wasn't the right moment yet. And I needed to work on it a little bit more. So I went back in, did another revision. We went back out and Stacy never gave up on me and she always encouraged me. And I think that maybe I would have been more likely to give up on myself if I didn't have an agent who just kept cheerleading for me the whole time. It's amazing that you said maybe it wasn't of the moment because another one of the amazing themes that we didn't even get to talk about yet uh, was immigration because, um, you know, one of your main characters has two parents that are undocumented immigrants. So, uh, you know, talk about being of the moment and seeing yeah. pictures in the news and what's happening now. So, I mean, was that ever a conversation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a big conversation because, again, I started writing this book 13 years ago. And conversations about immigration were different 13 years ago. And I've been, you know, really conscious of how that story plays out. Um, I didn't ever want to be trying to tell someone else's story, but these uh, characters from El Salvador were a big part of the story and a very big part of the community in New Hampshire where this book takes place. So over the different drafts of my book, I engaged three different sensitivity readers that worked with me and gave me advice from all, all sorts of things from you know language choices, but also down to there's a scene where they make pupusas, which is a traditional recipe. And the, one of the writers was like, mm, that recipe is not gonna work. Let's talk about what you're putting in these pupusas. And she talked talk to me through how you make pupusas. And so I felt like I got some really wise advice. And, um, but it's also something that, you know, I, I can't ever claim to like, I can't judge that I did everything right. That's gonna be up to readers. Um, you know, I think I, I put in some work and engaged a lot of help, but um, it, you know, it's an important topic. And I think that, you know, people need to be talking about it. A lot of important topics in your book. Yeah. So uh, you've already dropped some little nuggets and tidbits, but could you sum up, do you have any advice for new writers or aspiring writers? I think the biggest one is finding your community. And I mean, I bet I don't think everybody's going to be as lucky to find the novel incubator type community that we have because it's pretty tight. But there are so many ways to connect with other writers. But the other little tidbit writing, I would say, is when you're writing after you've written a first or second or third draft, when you go back through your work to look for Easter eggs that you left for yourself. And what I mean by that is when I've gone through my books or, you know, through my manuscripts, I've found like, why did I have that book on the shelf? Or why did my character wear that outfit that day? And sometimes when I unpack these little nuggets I left behind for myself, I find really important parts of the story that I wasn't paying attention to in the first draft. So it's, I sometimes feel like I left little Easter eggs for myself in my book. So I encourage everybody to do that just to question like, why, why did I choose that? So what do you want to leave your readers with after they put down the book? They're sitting there thinking about it. What do you want them to linger on and think about? Hmm. 
Um, I think the idea of interconnection, that we're all so connected, and I intentionally wanted this story to be in this insular little town in the mountains of New England, which feels very separate from what we think of as climate change in a lot, you know, that we don't, there's no walls of rising water, there's no floods going on in New Hampshire, we don't see the forest fires there in general, we aren't having hurricanes, so it's a pretty like safe place if you think about climate change, but I tried to draw these lines of we're connected to Central America, the songbird from the title, the Bicknell's thrush is winter is in the Caribbean and they're losing their habitat there because of deforestation and hurricanes. So it's not coming back to New Hampshire. And so I wanted to draw all these lines that, that we're all part of this big story. And that even in this little teeny tiny town up in the mountains, we're connected to so many places and that all of our actions that we, you know, anything we do, there's gonna be a ramification for it somewhere. And we're probably never gonna know what most of them are. And to be maybe mindful of the choices we're making because we don't know what the effects will be. That's great. Julie, I love the book. It's absolutely beautiful. Congratulations. May you sell many, many copies. Thanks, Grace. Lots of fun.